back from a 500-mile bike ride? Yeah, can we celebrate yeah. that? That's so awesome. That's good. So many of you uh, contributed, supported, helped. So thank you for all the riders uh, that went uh, from our church. Santa Fe represents every year. Let me just tell you, when it comes to bike fight, this is the sixth year we've done it. And uh, we don't just ride our bikes. We don't just raise money. We actually are making a difference in our world, making an impact. And so this year, just so you know what, what's going to happen with the money that we raised, with a little over 50000 so far, more is going to be coming in. Uh, we're going to buy Convoy of Hope, a utility truck, because they do awesome work. They're already set up in Florida. Like, they've been there the whole week ready for to respond. Uh, they responded in Texas. It's amazing what Convoy does. Uh, we're going to buy a van for Teen Challenge. If you don't know what Teen Challenge is, that's to uh, help people rescue them from drug addictions, from different kinds of uh, um, just things, that the struggles they have in their life that, that, that they help individuals overcome and so we're buying them a van so they can do their ministry successfully um we're gonna help yeah. a ch- four church plants buy their sound equipment so they can uh, start a church next week actually so yeah. uh, it's pretty yeah. pretty awesome it is so yeah, five five days five days 500 miles and uh high five. yeah high five to all of you that help support thank you yeah. and uh it's awesome right on well we're we're gonna fo- follow up last week's message of why what um and so i'm gonna let robert just review a little bit and uh, get, bring us, catch us up to speed. Uh, so if you weren't here last week, this is a continuation of the conversation. And so he talked about uh, why what? And what does that mean? So tell me. Part two. So, I don't remember anything because I rode a bike for 500 miles. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, last week I talked about um, how we get caught up in what we're doing that we forget or don't know even why we're doing those things. Um, I called the series Why What? Because a lot of, you know, as a new person in Texas, I'm asking everybody what they do for work, you know, or whatever question I can, what do you do for fun? What do you, you know, trying to get to know people. And I read this book and it really impacted me a great deal. And, and God just spoke to me and challenged me to consider, to reconsider, to consider why I do what I do. And uh, if I asked any of these people who I've asked, you know, so what do you do for work? And if I asked them why they did that, I think their response would be, I'm sorry, why what? Why what? Why, well, for a paycheck, uh, so I can feed my family, uh, you know, those kinds of result-oriented things. And what God was really challenging me is in the area of of purpose and being oriented toward purpose and that when we focus too much on what we do and forget why we're doing it, we have a great deal less impact in our lives. And so we talked about that. I, I talked about, you know, why is that one guy successful? Why is that in the office, in the classroom, wherever there's that kid or that person, they just always seem to be successful that people are seem to be loyal to them what you know what is the key factor with them why is this company why is apple so successful why do so many great things people great things happen with the stuff that they do and the loyalty people camping out for the next iphone why why and why does why do these guys consistently fail why does this business why do these businesses consistently uh do poorly or you know you know that type of thing so we talked about that, and really it had a lot to do with the difference between focusing on why they're in business. And if you looked at Apple, I talked about the fact that they, they, they communicate what they believe, and they, they believe in challenging the status quo, and they have. And everything they do supports what they believe. 
And I just contrasted that with us as Christians, as Christ followers. Jesus came and said why he was here. He came that, that we would have life and have it to the full. And then, you know, I tried to paste every scripture in the Bible that talks about this. And we just got a white screen because it's everywhere. Because God is a purpose-driven God. That's good. Some of the things he said we'll just review is uh, successful organizations, they start with why. You can substitute that organizations for any, any word, marriage, individual, students, um, companies, whatever. Uh, you could substitute that. So he also said that what you do is, is a tangible way you prove what you believe, uh, which is really key. Uh, it, it shows what you really believe was last week. And so make sure your why is supported by your what, um, that you live it out. He talked about Esther. Right. And she, you said that she lived out her why, and that's why God was able to use her and save a whole bunch of people from annihilation, from right. And it was a genocide. key. It was a key transition that we saw in that passage where Mordecai is saying, "Look, for such a time as this, God made you queen for such a time as this. This is why you're queen, is so that you can save our people." It was, it was key. That's good. So last week was why you do what you do. Today we're going to talk about part two. And uh, this is called The Split. So I want to introduce, uh, you introduced the, the idea about The Split. Okay, I'll introduce the idea of The Split. So in the book I was reading, he talks about even though a company can start, it's a business book, even though a company can start with a really good why, Eric, there's a point at which a company will begin to focus on what they're doing. So much so, so that they experience this split between their original purpose, why they were doing what they were doing, and they become solely focused on what they're doing. And, and in that case, they be, people as well as companies, they become uh, disillusioned. And, and how do I describe that? They forget. They forget, thanks. You know, I, I rode a bicycle. This chair is killing me. He's forgetting. And I swear. So this you have a right pillow? Here? Try this one. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not hurts. doing that. But I'll just stand next to the chair because it's really distracting. I had a problem putting my socks on. So I, you should know. Have, I should have done that. I'd be probably. Oh, All my right, gosh. So anyway, the split is where you focus so much on what you're doing that you forget why you do it. That's the nutshell. Yeah. So you, f- you focus on what we do. And, and so he says company, but insert whatever challenge or whatever difficulty mm-hmm. you have in life. Whether that's work, you have to go to work, you have to go to work, you show up and you're like, man, I really don't want to be here, I hate being here, I hate sitting in front of this computer, I hate answering these phones, whatever it is, insert that. At some point in your life, you started mm-hmm. something, maybe that's mm-hmm. your marriage, um, and you're focused on the what, right. uh, maybe it's your kids, you know. College. College, school, right. whatever that is. Yeah. You insert the, whatever it is in your life um, that you're thinking through, not just a company, but, but what is that thing? And at some point... You, you started for probably most likely a really good reason. Like there was, a, there was purpose in your marriage. Like you saw that person, that beautiful woman. You said, I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And then 15, 16 years into it, you know, with the kids later and jobs going, all these things going on, the, the schedule's hectic and you're tired and you start focusing on the what of it. You forget the why. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it becomes a chore. It becomes difficult. It's not fun anymore. And that is what, that's what, that's what the split is, is when you focus on what you do. And you forget why you did it in the first place. When you show up tomorrow at work and all you focus is on the work and you're not thinking about the, what's the why behind it, right. supporting it, then it can be work and it's not that hard. Right. And for us as individuals, it becomes a place where we, we, when you we focus on why, it, 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 we become commodity-based. We have a commodity-based thinking, consumer thinking. And, and we see this, you know, people have asked us, and everyone says this, just, not just me. 
People ask, have you found a church out there in Texas? And, and I said, you know, well, we've been church shopping, right? We go shopping from church to church, trying to find a church that does what we like. And, and that commodity-based thinking, Eric, it, that is a real problem when you start looking at marriage and you start uh, with your with your schooling in the classroom and you, why is that such a big problem? Well, because if I'm focused on well, if I'm focused on what I'm doing and Come it's on, not really meeting the need anymore, and I want more, it's all about me, my wife. It's time for an upgrade. Yeah, right. That's the problem, it's right? You get commodity based where everything is for you and for your purposes. Because it's you're focused on what it is and what you're doing, and then it's then it's trying to change things out. Yeah, and the truth is, when you change over and over and over, you're actually losing momentum. You're wasting time. It's not. I'm not just saying just with marriage. I'm saying with with anything, anything in life. And uh, buying the next phone. If that's not if there's not a good why attached to that, you're wasting money. You're wasting resources. Right. It's all about what is for me. For me, I'm a con- consumer. I'm going to take. I'm going to take. I'm going to take. And our culture is built around this, right. um, and, and they'll use fear. They'll use, um, they'll use anything to sell you, say, if you get this thing, you'll be happy. But the truth is, most likely, it's not going to make you happy because it's not answering your why. It's only giving you another what. Right. And when we forget why and focus on what, we lose sight of the future. You lose sight of the future. What are your future hope and dreams? You lose sight of those things because you get focused on the immediate, the now, the instant. Um, this work is hard. I don't want to do it no more because it's, I'm tired. I'm whatever. Marriage is hard at this moment, so maybe it's time to ch- change something up, ch- try something different, right? You'll never realize your potential. Right, and you, you hurt people in the process. You become self-focused, self-centered. I mean, it's a lot of those things that really disrupt our lives and aren't healthy and aren't good for us simply because we've experienced the split and, and you begin to ex- to have the, the, the disses, we call them the disses, right? Disappointment. Um, dis- no, that's Disappointment, disillusionment. Um, and I think, we become I think disagreeable. Disagreeable. <laughs> and I think dysentery might even come with that. Right. I don't know what. You get some unhealthy right. things happening. Right. Um, yeah, all the disses. Disappointed, dis- discouraged. Um, you know, you lose your courage. Um, you get, what was the other thing? Disengaged. He said right, disengaged. disengaged. You, you, you pull away from what's really important and you start doing things that don't really matter. Um, and, and you lose, you, you, when you focus on the what, you forget the why behind it. You lose sight of the future. You get all these disses, uh, which are not fun at no. all. So now we're going to answer God. What does God have to say about this? What is the point of all this that we're, what we're saying uh, when it comes to the split? Uh, well, throughout Scripture, over and over and over, you know, th- th- it's a story. The Bible is a story of God interacting with, with mankind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying to help us on this journey, saying, you have one chance. You have one life to do something with this, with this life. What are you going to do with it? Um, and we see this story of, of where the people of Israel, they, they, they forget. They get disillusioned. They, they forget what they're supposed to, who they're supposed to be, and they actually ask God for a king. And God is so... Um, disturbed by this because he said, no, I want you to be a different kind of nation. I want to lead you. Not a, not a, not a man. I want, I want to lead you. But they said, all the nations around us have kings. We want to be like them. And they really, they forgot their why, so they go to God and they ask him. And so God, um, he, he eventually gives in and says, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm going to allow you to have a king, but trust me, this is not going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. And if you read the, if the Bible history, you'll see over and over the kings did not really fulfill what, what, they, what their people were hoping for. 
And, and the first king, we'll talk about this. There's a great comparison between the first two kings. All right. First king that was picked was Saul. Uh, Samuel, the prophet, he picked Saul because he was tall. He looked good. He was, looked like a leader. All of these things that you would look on the outside and say, this guy has it all um, from the right family. Uh, this is going to be the next king that's going to lead us. And they pick Saul to be the next king. But how does the story turn out? Well, it turns out badly uh, because Saul basically forgot uh, why he was called to be king. And, and you could see this transition in the story that when Samuel anoints him king, it's very orienting for, for, for Saul. I, I'm going to become king I, and I'm going to lead the people into relationship with God. I'm going to do the things that kings do. And why? Because because God has asked Samuel to anoint me as king. And as time progresses, you can see in the story that, that Saul loses sight of that. And he begins to focus on what he's doing. Well, this is what kings do. And kings, you know, make the people happy. And, and God gave him, Samuel gave, uh, actually God through Samuel gave Saul very specific instructions of what to do in this battle. And the results of the battle, that all of the livestock and all that should be wiped out. Uh, Saul decides, well, it would be better and people would be happier if I, you know, this is what kings do. We take the plunder and, you know, we'll sacrifice it to God. I'll try and appease God with these other things that will make him happy. Um, but I'll, everybody will be happy with me and I'll be this great king because, you know, these are things that kings do. Yeah, and after he forgets his why two times, the prophet said, this is what God has to say to you. In 1 Samuel 15, 19, Samuel comes to Saul and says, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Essentially saying, you forgot your why. You forgot your purpose. You forgot why God has even given you this thing in the first place, this what called kingship, right, uh, to be responsible, to, to lead. You forgot these things. Why did you do it? Because Saul forgot his why. And then Saul tries to justify it and say, no, I, I was going to do it for a good cause. Like all these things that I'm doing, they're for good reasons. He's saying, but you forgot your why. And we get this famous passage in the Bible. You probably heard before. Obedience is better than sacrifice. In, in 1 Samuel 15, 19, uh, the, the prophet Samuel says, does the Lord, does he, does he rejoice in these things or what's going on? He says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is far better than offerings than the offering of fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So he's comparing, essentially saying, you're rebellious. That's just as bad as doing the opposite of what I want you to do. It's, it's witchcraft. The same as witchcraft, what he's saying. It's a strong, that's a strong um, passage that he's telling Saul, like, you, you did the opposite of why, what God has called you to do. And why? Because he forgot his why. He forgot, he, he forgot the purpose of why he was king in the first place. Um, and he says, because you rejected the Lord, God's going to reject you as king. And then the next king that God, that God picks, and this time God is saying, all right, Samuel, I'll let you pick the first king. I'm going to pick the second king. And, and, and the story goes on that Samuel goes to this. God tells him what family to go to. And Samuel overlooks David. Like he's too small. Uh, he's too young. He's, he's everything you would think you would not want as a king. And, and, and God says, no, that's the one I want. And in Acts 13.22, in the history of Israel, uh, Paul is, is, is speaking and teaching. He actually says this about David. In, in Acts 13.22, it says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So, so essentially, God is saying, I'm picking David because of his heart. 
Right. So what's the difference between these two? Right, the difference between the two here is, and it's very clear, you, you've said it a couple of times, Saul forgot his why. And what we mean by the why is the, the, the believe. What we, it's our because statement. I do this because I believe. And David is a person who believed in honoring God. Many times in his interactions with Saul and his own men, he said, I will not touch God's anointed. I believe in honoring God. Saul was about what he was doing as king. David was about honoring God as king. And everything David did, except when he experienced the split, everything David did, he did to honor God. He, he believed in the preservation of the people of God. He believed that as king, he should bring people into relationship with God. That as the king, if he honored God, God would honor him. And he believed that God would help the people prosper as he was a king honoring God. This is a very different situation because David lived his why and everything he did he did to honor God and support his why because what we do should prove what we believe and Saul's what he did proved what he believed which was more about him than about God Mm -hmm. David's what was proved by what he did because he really believed in honoring honoring God and we see this throughout scripture over and over and over um, you know, because here's the truth. God is going to, or has already, or he will put a what in your hand. At some point, he's going to put a what. And that what could be a marriage. That what could be a business. That what could be finances. That what could be a gift. Um, that what could be an opportunity. Whatever the, whatever the what is, he's going to put a what there. For example, Abraham, the father of the faith, right? One of the first men that, that God says, would you trust me? Step out in faith and do this. Leave everything that's, that's known and go into the unknown. And Abraham, he trusts God and he does it. But here's what God tells him. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. That's the what? The blessing, right? That's right. favor. That's, that's resources. That's money. Whatever. There's a lot of things that come with that blessing. He says, I'm going to bless you. There's the what. But he goes on to say this. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to the rest of the world. Like the people that follow you are going to bless the world. And so God says, here's the what, but don't forget the why. why? And what happens in our lives is we get the what, and then we forget about the why, and we're stuck with this what, and we think all of a sudden the what becomes about us and what we can do and what the job does for us and what marriage does for me and what my kids can do for me and what, 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 and we get the what stuck, and we forget that there's a purpose behind that. Mm-hmm. And at some point, God's going to do it. So our responsibility is to know why God has given you that what. Why is he giving you the marriage? Why is he giving you the kids? Why has he gifted you to make a lot of money? Why has he put you in the most, one of the, the richest nations of the world? Is it so you can live it up and have a great life here on earth? I would say no, it's not. It's so we can be an influence to the rest of the world. We can be, he's blessed us so we can be a blessing to others. You with me? Anybody out there? Yeah? Right. And, then, and, then, and we see that this is a God principle. Anytime you see in the business world or, you know, people... Um, how do I say that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just stand for a minute again. Oh, oh, yes. no. oh, gosh. Okay. Starting over. I don't want to sit oh. again. Oh. Get the blood flowing. I just want, this is, that is the sacrifice of service right there is that yeah. bike seat. So God gave Abraham the keys. He said, here's the keys. Right. Here's the keys to success in your life. 
don't forget why I've given you these keys. It's not just for you. It's for something else. So why what? Why has God given you the what? Here's the truth you said last week. is successful businesses or organizations, right. they start with why. Yep. Substitute organizations for marriage, for, for students, um, for whatever, finances, people that do well finances. Successful marriages, they start with why. Successful students start with why. Right. Um, right. They remember that. So when they're in that, that, that test, they're not struggling through the what. They're saying, i got to study for this. i got to make sure I overcome this because there's a greater purpose for this. <laughs> I remember what I was going right, to say. Say it. <laughs> you, you just did. <laughs> I'm so good. <laughs> you remember every, what I was going to say, too. Every person in the Bible. <laughs> right. The, the key thing is, is this. This is what I was going to – I would add is when you, when we, when you look at your – we talk a lot about marriage because it's one of the, the things on, on, in our culture right now that's been under attack. But really, if you're a teen here and you're in a classroom, if you're a financial business person, if you're a, you own your own business, it doesn't matter what you're, what you're doing. It matters very clearly why you're doing it. Because I don't take my wife on a date because that's what I'm supposed to do. I, I didn't invest in myself as a drummer on the worship team because that's what I'm supposed to do. I didn't do well in college because that's what I'm supposed to do. I did it because I, wa- I knew that I could invest more, that there's something bigger and greater for me to share and to have beyond that. I don't take my wife on a date because that's what I'm supposed to do. Why I take my wife on a date is because I'm, I'm investing in my marriage. I believe in the success of my marriage. I believe that the success of my marriage impacts all of my children and affects all the people around them and inspires people when I say, yeah, it's 28 years now. They're like, 28 years? Wow, how would she put up with you? Because I invested. <laughs> I take her on dates. I bought her a bicycle so we could do bicycle dates. I invest and I invest and I invest. And it takes what you're doing to a whole new level when you choose to focus on why you do it. And what happens is the disses, the disappointment, the disillusionment, those things, Eric, they, they disappear. Yeah, the disses disappear. They go away. Um, I'll give you an example of this, and then um, I think we'll do this. So Friday afternoon, we just finished lunch in Tato, New Mexico. I ate a really good hamburger. Uh, it was tasty. I could barely finish it, so I shared the last part of it because you're just tired and you're full. And uh, we had rode four days. It's 400 miles, and then we just finished 40 miles. So it's 440 miles. We had 60 miles left to finish our 500 miles. And one of the guys on the team, one of the leaders, he looks at me and says, Eric, you want to ride? Hey, you want to ride 60 more miles? And my answer was, no, I don't want to ride 61 miles. My legs hurt, all right? My stomach is like trying to settle here because I just ate a really good burger. Um, I'm tired. I'm really tired. This was a hard year, and I don't really want to ride 60 more miles. But then I said, but if you ask me something different, I might respond differently. I said, now, if you would say, do you want to change some lives? Hey, Eric, how about we go rescue some more people with some more pedals? Hey, Eric, why don't we go ride our bikes so that somebody across the nation will be served something they need when it's time for their need? And I said, I'm up for that. 
And all of a sudden, the, the pain and the, the discomfort and the uh, whatever dis you want to put there, um, no, not dysentery. I didn't have dysentery. Thank God. <laughs> but whatever dis you have there, they, it goes away because now it's not about the what, riding a bike. It's about the why. How about we That's go change we some it. lives this week? Right. When you're at work, you're not just there to work. You're there to impact people. You're there to change people's lives. You're there to have an impact for the kingdom of God. David knew this. Abraham knew this. Jesus knew this. And this is why they were successful in life. When we have the why in front of us consistently, we can answer that. We will be successful in our lives. So how about we go rescue some people? So when I ask, give, let's give in the offering. Let's give towards these things. It's not the what. It's the, it's the reason. It's the purpose behind it so that somebody can have something they don't have. That's why we give because it helps other people. All right. Amen. Come on. Come on. All right. One more story. Go. Um, when we're starting the Grove, all right, I'm going to have to um, – well, I won't take that. Uh, oh, man. Um, okay. This could get bad. When we started the Grove, my concern for starting a church is that I didn't want to start just another church. Because the truth is, every city doesn't need just another church. We do need more churches, but not just another church. We need a church that's going to reach people who aren't being reached, which means we have to do things that other people aren't doing to reach those people that aren't being reached. Does that make sense? And so our team got together six months out. We started to build this, this, this team and started to build the vision of the church. And one of the assignments that we had, we'd go to different churches in Santa Fe, Albuquerque, um, to learn what does it feel like to be a guest. When, when people come to the Grove, what are they going to feel when they go to church? And so all of our team members went. And one of the, one of, one of the stories that I remember was Robert and Lori went to this church. And when, they couldn't find the front door. Like they were just like looking around like, where do we go? This is so uncomfortable. And they told me they almost left. And they finally saw somebody go around the side building. They followed them. And they walked in, and, and the doors opened, and somebody said, guys, we have guests today. <laughs> and, and they were like, man, that was so awkward and uncomfortable. It was, it was, um, it was, it was yeah. And, and we began to talk about this, and we said, these are the kind of experiences we don't want to create. We want to create a very comfortable. And, and Lori, in our meeting, she said this. She says, Eric, I like to dress up for church. She said, but I would be willing to wear a T-shirt that says, ask me. All right? So I'd be willing to wear a T-shirt that says, ask me. If it would mean somebody could find their way through the church to find them. And in that statement, what she was saying was, I'm willing to put my what aside for the greater purpose. Like, I'll wear a t-shirt that says, ask me, if it can help somebody find where to go in church. And what that was, the statement was bigger than just the t-shirt. What she was saying was, I believe in the why behind the grove, that lost people matter to God. That unchurched people will be uncomfortable if we don't make it a comfortable place for them to come. And so we structured everything in our church to help people know you're welcome here. And then when they come and see somebody in a T-shirt, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't have to dress up. So that, that's awesome. I, I feel comfortable. Um, and, and we're very strategic in our approach. Right. And they would know when they came in because that was the other thing. It was in that one situation, I mean, there was a door over there and there was maybe a door over there, not sure where to go. If, I, if we're, our team shirt says, you know, team on it and says, ask me, it's very clear. But if I'm focused on what I do, Eric, and, and another friend of mine, he pastors a church, and they were trying to get their, pe- their people to, to wear T-shirts that identified them as a volunteer, someone that, that a new person could speak to. And, and a few of the people were like, no, no, I, I dress up for church. I, I believe that I've got I've to wear my best for God. And I, I, that's fo- when, when we're like that, when we're, when we're arguing about the color of the carpet, 
Uh, what the podium, we've had that podium for 50 years up there. You're placing it with that plastic thing. When, when we're focused on what we do, church for us is what we call, Lori and I called it. When we're focused on church for us, we are not focused on what God wants to do through in and through us. Why he put us here to reach the lost. This church was designed to reach the unchurched. And we are happy and thrilled to wear a T-shirt to church every Sunday, every Sunday if that's what God wants us to do because we believe in the power of the gospel to change a life. And we believe that that's more important than what I can do or should do for the Lord. I need to operate in my purpose and the reason God has me here. Yeah. It's, it's not about what we do. This is another what. This could become the focus. It's not. It's, it's the heart behind this. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing these things? Why do we meet right. in a movie theater? Uh, why, why do we have a short service? Because we want men to look at their watch at 1110 and say, wow, it's already over. That was enjoyable. I think I'm going to come back. It's strategic. I'm not joking. We have short music. Because sometimes I get people that been other, you know, have a background of church. And in 101, I explain this. I ask people to raise their hand about different backgrounds. And we all have a different idea of what church should be. And so in 101, we say this is how we do it. You want to join the team? You want to help us change the world? You want to help us change Santa Fe? And we do it because we want guests to come in and have an experience that they'll encounter God and their marriages will get better. Uh, they'll be physically healed because they'll begin to make changes because God will touch them. They'll be emotionally healed because they'll get a message that will help them on this journey. Um, we've had people come in and said, this is a, no joke. They come in and they say, I came in and I told God I'll give you one more chance. Yep. And if nothing happens today, it's over. I'm, it's done. And they came and they encountered God and they left change. And they came back the next week and the next week and the next week. Over and over we've had these encounters and people have done this. Every single week for 156 weeks, somebody has given their life to Christ in our church. It says, I will commit my life to Christ because I believe his way is better. Right. And that's, that's why we do why it. That's why we do church the way we do church. That's why we do it. And every- zero, zero weeks of somebody not coming to Christ. 156 and zero. That is an amazing, amazing testimony to the team, to God, giving us the grace to be able to say, would you go reach those that nobody else is reaching? Would you dare to do church differently? Would you dare to step out and try something that nobody else is trying? Would you do something that with the what that I put in your hand? Right, just like David did everything he could. I mean, he had his, a few of his uh, failures, as, as do we all. But as he focused on honoring God, God honored him and blessed the people of Israel. It's, we're doing the same thing. Everything we do, is supports why we do it. You might look at some, at some of this stuff and go, you know, why are they? Why is it so dark in here? You know, I can't see my Bible. Well, it's dark in here because unchurched folks they don't want to be. They want to be able to kind of slip in and slip out the first few times, get a feel like they wouldn't come to a church building. That's why we're not in a church building. We're in a theater because they were here Friday night or Saturday night. Everything we do at the Grove is based on a strategy that supports why we do it. We believe that if we create the opportunity for God to work in an environment where an unchurched person is willing to come, 
they may, they may experience Christ in a way that determines the rest of their destiny. And they will have the opportunity. Guys, they'll have the opportunity to receive Christ and begin that relationship to live the best life possible. And that's what we believe. So we believe. Next door, we have adults who are working with kids. That's the what. They're working. But the reason behind it is because they're investing in the future to hopefully help those kids have a better future than they did, a better better life than maybe they did, to invest, to to pour into, to encourage. Our small groups happen in our G-Kids. They're happening probably right now. And um, it's, a, it's a leader saying, I will invest into these kids to help them know somebody cares for them. Uh, our team comes in and sets up the stage and the lights, and they do it. it, it it's not just the what. They're, we're creating an environment. We're creating an opportunity for God to show up in somebody's life in a powerful way that they can encounter the power of the gospel. They can empower the, encounter the power of God to change their marriage, to save their marriage, to help them be better parents, to help them with their finances. It's not just the what. It's, it, there's a purpose behind it. Um, so when we serve, it's not just we're just we're shaking a hand. Man, we are loving on somebody. When we give in the offering, it's not just giving something. It's making an impact in somebody's life somewhere in our world, somewhere in our city. Uh, when, we, when we do things, it's, it's, it's having a greater impact. So the question is, why do you do what you do mm-hmm. in your marriage? Why do you do the things you do in your, in your workplace? Why do you do the things you do in school? Why do you do? Because if you're only focused on the what, it's not very fun. Riding a bike 500 miles, pedaling all the time, focused on that, it's not very fun. It hurts. But when you know there's a greater purpose behind it, you're willing to push through all that stuff and get to the end. Yeah, that's really, that's really our challenge. And I brought this series to Santa Fe. I, I spent time there, you know, really seeking the Lord, saying, God, you know, what, what do you have for the grove? Lord, I've been given this opportunity to share. What do you have for the Grove? And God has been challenging me with this for probably the last six months or so, four months, four to six months. Is that right? Four to six months. Um, <laughs> because Did I mention I rode a bicycle? Yeah. Sorry. Ah, the chair. Is your chair softer? No. Oh, you're sitting on a bus. Sitting on a bus. A little padding. Let me start over. <laughs> you guys are so great. This this is so good. I'd be I'd be mortified if I was somewhere else. I'd be like checking to see if I was in my pajamas or not. Um, guys, I love you. I love this church. I love the heart that's here. And what I want to share, what I wanted to share with you, is really what God would lay on my heart for you. And it's simply this. Often we experience the split because we just we're doing what we always do. We're going through the motions of what we always do and we forget why we're there. And the split, it looks like this. It's when you're sitting in your office and that person comes in your office and you're like, oh, man, I'm going to lose 20 minutes of getting anything effective now done. And they sit down, and you can tell they're bummed or whatever, and you just kind of try and rush them through, get them out of your office because they're interfering. That person that no one likes in the classroom at school, you know, you teens, you guys have an opportunity, your friends, to, to inspire, to empower them. But only if you're focused on why God has 
that situation happening right then. If you're focused on why, if you'll change from focusing on what you're doing to why God put you there for such a time as this, you will have a greater impact. You will experience fulfillment. You'll experience significance because these are God principles. God is a purpose-driven God. Everything he does is for a purpose. And what I want to challenge you with this week and ongoing is that, one, if, you, if you've never thought about why you're here, what purpose God has for you, what your because statement is, what do you believe is what you need to look at. Do you believe in the power of the gospel to change a life? Do you believe in the success of others? Do you believe this world could be different if we would just act in a positive way? Do you believe? Learn. Look back at what you've done. Learn to learn to focus on why God has you where he has you. So know your why. Take the time to know your why. That was last week. And this week is don't allow the split. Don't allow yourself to get in that space where you're just focusing on what you're doing. If you're, if you're a small group leader, invest in knowing how to, to lead well. If you're in a worship team, invest in your, your skill. If you're a student, be the best student. Invest in that effort and focus and start with why you're there. So that you can see what God wants to do in and through you as those situations arise for such a time as this. Work to have your what, work to have what you do, support your why, align those two things together. So keep the why in the forefront. That'll help you. Uh, key words that you get to use is I have to or I get to. I have to. I get to. If you have to, you're living in the split. If you get to do something, you're probably answering the I believe question. I get to show up to work today because I get to impact somebody's life. I get to watch some babies in the next door so that some parents can hear something that good that's going to help them become better parents. I get to. I get to. This week you get to. Um, as, as, as we close this service, I want to give an opportunity for those that are here. Um, as you've listened to us, maybe your why is very fuzzy. You don't know why you're even here on earth. Uh, your, your question, you came today saying, I just need some answers. My life is messed up or my, I'm, I'm far from God and I need, I need to be close. Um, but one of the reasons I love David the most is because, yes, he was a man after God's own heart, but he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. He experienced the split also. Um, he messed up. Um, but when God told him, you've messed up, he was willing to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. And this is what the Bible says about um, when, when we approach God with that kind of attitude, that heart of saying, forgive me, I messed up. It says God, he responds with forgiveness. When we're willing to humble ourselves. So the idea in the scripture is this, it's called repentance. It's going, you're going one direction, and you, you come to your senses and realize, I'm living in a, in a way that's contrary to God. God, forgive me. And repentance means you turn around, you leave all that stuff behind, addictions, all the other things that have kept you back, and you begin to move towards God in it. Repentance. So David, they said, David, you messed up. You, you, you slept with another man's wife, you, and then you had him killed. Like, David, that's wrong. And David said, you're right. Forgive me. And he says, God, 
forgive me. And he writes this great song, Psalm 51. And in the song, he says this. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out my stains of sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. And he goes on to say this. Restore the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. David is saying, God, I messed up. I'm going the wrong way. I experienced a split. Forgive me. And he returns to God. And this is why God says he's a man after my own heart. Because when he figured out that he was going the wrong way, he turned and went back to God. Some of us today are going the wrong way. And today God is saying, would you come back to me? Maybe for some of us, come, come to me for the first time. So do me a favor. If you're here today, would you close your eyes and bow your head? Give an opportunity for those that want to respond. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just from your seat, where you're at. A prayer of declaration, a prayer of, of, of asking for relationship with God. If, we're, if we confess our sins, the Bible says, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And he gives us a new start. So today, wherever you're at on this journey, if you are going the wrong direction, and today you want to go back to God, you want to commit your life to following Christ, to following God's plan for your life better than your plan, you want to discover that why, would you do me a favor and lift your hands? I know you're here. Awesome. I see your hands. I see your hands. Awesome. Anybody else? I see your hands. Thank you. For some of us, this is an ongoing journey where we wake up and realize we're going the wrong direction. We say, God, like David, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Help me, help me to, to be willing to respond and obey what you ask. For you that raise your hand today, I'm going to lead you in this prayer, simple prayer, just saying, God, forgive me. God, help me on this journey. So if you pray that prayer, would you pray with me? If you're a Christ follower in this room, would you join us so they're not praying alone? Quite a few hands went up, and we want to just encourage them as they pray together. Father God, today, I ask your forgiveness. Forgive me my sins and my wrongdoing for going the wrong direction. Today, I want to follow you. Lead me on this journey. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to show me a better way to die in my place so I can have a relationship with you. Lead me. I'm going to be the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want us to say welcome to the family. Greatest prayer you'll ever pray. So proud of you.